Hello and welcome to Connected, the podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good in our world. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. Hi, I'm Sue Uniman. I'm Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And I'm very excited to say joining us in the room is Jeff DeBerker. How are you doing, Jeff? Oh, very good, thanks. How are you? I'm all good. I'm all, all the better for speaking to you. So Jeff is the Chief Strategy Officer at Mediacom UK and prior to um, rising to CSO through the ranks at in the strat team at Mediacom. He was the strategy director at Naked Communications, AD at Visium, and a senior marketing research assistant at Carlton. And I've got the first question this week, so I'm going to ask you the easy question of what is strategy? <laughs> when I saw the questions come through, I was like, oh, God, why do I have to get the hard one straight away? <laughs> then I suppose it is my job title. So uh, that's my own fault for getting into this line of work, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, I think so. Um, I think strategy is about um, having a clear vision of where you want to end up, which sounds nice and easy, but actually uh, it is, uh, I think that's really quite difficult. Actually, most um, as human beings um, and as corporations, I think it is easy to default to either the short term, uh, to the obvious, to the easy, and actually our, our system uh, our system one brains will always go for the fast solution. And what we're not very good at as humans, what we have to think more carefully about is the slow solution, um, uh, the one that ignores the short term pressures, the short term desires. And so I think strategy is about getting to a clear long term goal is the first part. Um, then asking the difficult questions of how you get there. And I think one of the things I've learned over the years is that's the really hard bit because it's both being willing and able to try and answer the difficult questions. Um, there's always an elephant in the room. And as humans, as corporations, it's very easy to ignore the elephant in the room or just say that's impossible. And I think a good strategy, uh, a really good strategy, doesn't ignore those elephants in the room. Um, uh, and then finally, once you've answered the, 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 those questions, the difficult questions about what's stopping you from reaching reaching that goal, uh, you then need a, a clear plan of action, um, uh, which will have a series of tactics along the way. Um, uh, and if anything, I mean, it's, it's, it's not the easy bit, but I think if you don't do the first two right, you'll never get to uh, a, a good, a good, um, a good campaign, a good plan of action. And that's why strategy is important. I, th- I think I think that's really interesting. And I think one of the things that you've sort of talked about, which is the uh, the elephant in the room, the kind of a strategist has got to be the person asking sometimes the uncomfortable questions do you think that um you know get getting good at strategy because it's uh there are some people who it's, it's one of, it's one of those it's like it's such a loose term isn't it it's kind of like you know just it, when you say to somebody well i i think that's all right as an answer but it's not very strategic it's kind of like what <laughs> do you think becoming good at strategy you've got one of the one of the elements is um not minding being the person asking the unpopular questions, um, or, or what else is is it? Do you think that that makes you good? I think there's a bit of nature and nurture. So I, um, uh, you know, speaking to parents, I know kids are very good at asking why, 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 why. Uh, but I never stopped asking. I think um, if you ask my mum, uh, my dad, I think kind of I just carried on doing that and always asked difficult questions and uh kind of lots of awkward dinner time conversations uh just go will you just shut up yes exactly um and i so i think i'm just naturally curious and naturally want to understand why things are uh the way they are so i think that definitely that definitely helped but then i've been 
I've been very lucky um, in my career to have had to worked with and worked for a number of very, very smart people who've really helped hone that. So starting with uh, starting with Catherine Blizzard and Frank Cassidy back at ITV, um, when I started out as a researcher, um, through to uh, Piers Taylor at Visium, uh, then to Will Collin and uh, John um, uh, John Wilkins at Naked, uh, and then coming onto MediaCom with Sue and uh, and Steve, kind of some people who are brilliant at, at, at challenging my own assumptions. Actually, always have pushed me. Uh, to, to 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 challenge how I think and to to question me, um, which has made me a better better at asking questions in my own right. So yeah, I think kind of having that uh, people who've not been afraid to challenge who've challenged me and encouraged me not to be afraid to challenge myself has been enormously helpful. How oh, interesting. Uh, so, <laughs> what do you think is is bad strategy then? Bad strategy. Um, Oh god, there's so much bad strategy, isn't there? <laughs> what's, what's, the cause, what's the cause of it then? <laughs> what's the cause of it? Um, it's, um, I think, not being clear about what you want to get to. So not having clear end goals is definitely a problem. People have multiple goals or goals that aren't achievable. Um, uh, I have a, a, a former client who I'm not going to name, uh, where we went through a rigorous, a very rigorous process at the start of the year to get to an, an achievable goal and then it went to the finance department who just doubled it uh okay those have those figures aren't ambitious enough and actually we, we, so we were starting the year with a, a goal that through our process we felt we had no chance of achieving um so that that's definitely not a good approach um, you've got to kind of have a have an achievable goal in the first place let's not sort of kid ourselves that leads to a lot of, lots, a lot of bad strategy i think being being Ignoring the elephants in the room uh, is 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 just a recipe for disaster. Um, you know, I I, I uh, yeah, I, I used to, I used to work with I used to work with Nokia back in the day when I was a naked, and Nokia completely knew that that the phones like the iPhone were coming. They showed us prototypes, but they were just they thought they were a bit too far off. Um, and easily, and you know, and, and, and you know, history sort of shows what happened to them. Um, I think if you ignore the elephants in the room, it's 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 a recipe for disaster. And I think there's just an awful lot of people overcomplicate things. People think that strategy has to be complicated. It has to have lots of flowery language, and actually, it, it doesn't at all. Um, I'm not the other thing that. is when it doesn't actually match the execution, right? Yes. Yeah. That's the other thing. Nice strategy, shame about the tactics. Yes, that's, exactly. That's like a proper schoolboy era yeah and all of my favorite all of my favorite strategists um really care about execution both creative strategists media strategists all of them really like to properly get close to the to the creatives to the, the implementation of people to the execution rather than sitting in their ivory tower uh something i've done the strategy now i can go home and uh, uh and read something else very clever Stroke my beard. Well, that, yes. that was the sorry, Sue. That was the context behind the question: How do you get good at strategy? Because you you see it a lot where people get to three or four years in, and then suddenly they they want to get into strategy. So they spent three or four years slogging it out, doing really hard executional um, work, and suddenly they see strategy as a easy, just sort of go wander into meetings, do some clever work, and then you leave the rest of the work to everyone else. But that that's really not the case. Yeah. And I think going back to the point about how you get good at strategy as well, I just think it's it's just really important to have a wider cultural hinterland than just business and advertising. Because actually, reading things from anywhere 
that anything will make you a better strategist. I heard, I think it was Steven Pinker talking about um, how humans, basically the reason why humans will always be different to machines is we're amazing at making analogies. We are analogy machines. Mm. Um, and we can, we can make analogies across wildly different wildly different things um, and actually the more you read the more more things you can see on different topics the easier it is to make random analogies uh, that then and, and to mash them up I mean yeah. I, 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 I think that's a that's kind of a big part of a lot of successful strategists is that actually what they're doing is they're it's a it's a mashup between a strategy that they once delivered for an FMCG brand and a strategy that you know they've heard about for a kind of global sportswear brand or something and somehow it's come together and it's the right thing for the finance brand and so i think do you think maybe not being too literal helps oh yes definitely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um is it more difficult to be a strategist the further that, that you get up the hierarchy do you think well it's i mean it's, it's, it's i mean obviously so i'd love to hear your opinion on this yeah. thing but i think in some ways uh, in some ways, no, because actually, the the more the more situations you've experienced, yeah. the more strategies you've worked on, the more you have to pull on, um, which which gives you sort of more confidence. You've got a range of different approaches. Um, one of the things I've always said I loved about MediaCom um, is there are so many other brilliant people here that as you go up, I know more and more people yeah. uh, who I can ask the questions of and ask for help. So, and I know I'll always get great help. So, uh, just the the, the wealth of the wealth of brain power and uh, different different strategic styles I can access internally uh, is, is 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 wonderful. So in, in that sense, it's 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 easier as you go up. The downside, I suppose, is basically the harder bit is as as you go up the hierarchy, you get to work on the bigger questions, the harder questions, mm. uh, and those questions have bigger budgets, more jeopardy, and more stakeholders attached, and everyone. That's another thing about strategy. Everyone's got a view on it. Yeah, I think what you're saying is really interesting, though, because I think I might agree with you that it's quite hard to be a strategist if you haven't got experience. If you haven't got experience, it's a, it's a, it's quite a hard thing to teach. You know, there are there are, you know you can you can learn to do an Excel spreadsheet. You know, that's a thing you can learn. But um, mm -hmm. strategy, the more you read and the more you you experience strategies and should, should we plug that my you know my favorite book because you've asked that question my favorite book on this it's like yeah. my bible on good strategy bad strategy is literally called that it's called good strategy yeah. bad strategy by a guy called um i can't remember his first one but rummelt richard, richard rummelt that's right and it's just it's like as you read it you kind of go oh god i've so been in those bad strategy meetings and i recognize this and then he clarifies what what good strategy is um and it's um quite quite a funny book as well and, if you like and, that sort of thing and i must be that we don't um we don't do enough to celebrate not celebrate we don't do enough to learn from bad strategy um yeah. no one no one ever sets out to write a bad strategy no and Strategies are also compromised sometimes by execution, by circumstances, yeah. by unforeseen things. But we too often park that as uncomfortable situations rather than thinking, how do we learn from that? Um, because of the nature of the business, we're always moving forward to the next thing. Um, and I've never quite, that's one thing I've never quite cracked is yeah. learn how you learn from, learn from your mistakes. 
how you learn from from failed strategies we're not we're not great at celebrating failure because we are so optimistic and so positive and i remember once talking to um the great Stephen Maron, um, who runs Global, um, talking to him about um, our strategy brand at the time in the UK, which was uh, real world communication and sort of how it worked. And he said, I was giving him lots of examples of successes from it. And he said to me, what about a failure? What, what, what about where it hasn't worked? And actually, you're absolutely right. I kind of was, you know, your instincts go, oh, of course it will work. If you do it properly, of course it works. But um, yeah. interesting question, actually. Yeah. I'm trying to think we, we, maybe we should have a, I was thinking maybe we find a day, a Friday the 13th or maybe. Good. Yeah. Maybe, is, there, is there a St. Jude's Day, the patron saint of lost causes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where yeah we... Good idea. <laughs> yeah. No, I like the Friday the 13th idea. That's good. That's a great idea. I like that idea of, of dates. We should do something with February 29th as well. Just find a way yes. to really celebrate something. That would be really good. We've just missed one. We've got four years to come up with the next one. Yeah. Well, it was a media comment around the baby, wasn't there, on uh, February 29th. Yeah. Ellen, bless her. Um, you took a year out before coming to Mediacom in between roles. So, And I'm always interested in people who, who go travelling and, and what they intend to get out of it and what they actually get out of it. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, um... I uh, so I never did. I never travelled much when I was younger. I never, I never had any interest in it when I was younger. Oh, really? really? No, it was never. It was never a life goal um, at all. And uh, it just sort of came from I was sort of in my mid thirties. I still I didn't have a long term partner. I didn't have a house. Didn't have any long term plans. And I and loads of my friends. It was that stage of life where all my friends were coupling up. Uh, so I went on a holiday on my own for the first. I went on a holiday for a two week holiday on my own and thought, well, I'm going to go away. And on that holiday, I had such a good time, met so many interesting people. I thought, why have I never been interested in travelling? Um, so I literally came back from the holiday and quit my job and went travelling for, for a year. Um, and thought, actually, I should, you know, I, I didn't feel grown up enough to to, be, to, to, to to buy a house. I didn't feel, I thought maybe that, that, that I just wasn't in the right head state to be a, to move on to that next stage of adulthood. Uh, so part of it was a maybe I should take some time out to work out what I want from the next stage of adulthood. Um, and obviously I blindly went into it thinking, I can't work in advertising forever. It's a, it's a, it's a ridiculous industry. You know, I, I should give back to the world or do something a bit more wholesome. And I thought I'll, uh, I had a kind of, I thought maybe I'll be kind of hit by a flash of inspiration uh, or find some voluntary work I want to do. Or I kind of entertained fantasies like, because I love hiking. One of the things I really love is hiking. So I spent six weeks hiking in the Peruvian Andes, um, which was still absolutely magical, still one of my favourite experiences of all time. But also taught me why I could never, ever be a hiking guide. That was one of my flights of fantasy. Uh, is it's because of my dislike of lots of other people. We were listen. And, we were lucky to have Jeff when he came back. We were kind of what a great blessing for us that he <laughs> oh, he, he strolled into our offices. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I realised sort of on one of those hikes where I was with a, uh, a, a an Irish hiker who was the most annoying person I've ever met. And I thought, never mind. The one thing that is ruining the tranquility of these mountains is this, this person I'm with. And if I was actually doing this full time, and it's yeah. Your job. So yeah. actually, one of the things, one of the one of the lovely things that it taught me um was actually how well suited i am to what i do and how much i enjoy it really um so actually kind of i came back to it with a with a renewed uh vigor 
um, no, which that's has, a good which use good. of a time, a, t- a year out then, I guess. Yes, yeah, to realise that I, yeah, I wasn't in the right place in the, in the first place. Um, interestingly, it also taught me I love marmalade, was the other un- ah. unsuspecting. Oh, really? Because you couldn't get it? Padding because you couldn't get it. So, really, so I travelled in loads of tropical countries with yeah. oranges everywhere, and yet yeah. the, the, the jam you get everywhere in the world is strawberry. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, you, it, you don't tend to find much orange marmalade. Proper it's... English marmalade. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we should tell everyone your uh, Twitter uh, handle because I I, I identifies you as yes itinerant Jeff yeah yes itinerant so you still yeah. keep travelling yeah. yeah I still keep travelling yeah that's that was set that up when I first went travelling and it sort of stuck with it um, so obviously the current situation uh, is is uh, definitely frustrating because I because I'm always dreaming of travelling and thinking of the next one and right now that's it's a very sadly not uh, not an option. No. Yes, we should we should mention because we're not sure when this podcast is going to go out that we're in week two of the UK COVID nineteen um, uh, uh, work, working from home and and kind of lockdown. Um, and so in that context, Jeff, what's next for you? What's next for me? Right. Um, well, I only just started this new job, so um, uh, I've never actually. <laughs> so interesting. I've never actually had. Um, uh, a grand strategy for my career. There's never been any big long-term, long-term goal. Um, what matters to me is that I enjoy my work and that I, uh, and I'm constantly being challenged. Um, and as long as I'm being challenged and I'm enjoying my work, then then I'm happy. And so, having just stepped into a new job of after five years in the the previous one, I've got a whole set of new challenges, um, new things to work out. Um, so I'm so I'm loving it. So right now, uh, the the what next is 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 properly getting to grips with this, um, working out how I'm going to make a difference, which is which is exciting. I'm obviously doing quite a lot of thinking at the moment about how to help our clients through the the, the current situation. Um, uh, but beyond that, um, I, I just I, I'll see where the world takes me. Um, and so far, the last the last decade has been has been MediaCom, which I'm still loving uh, and hopefully that will carry on for many years to come brilliant uh, on to our regular questions we ask all guests so can you tell me your favorite line from a poem song or book and i guess this was quite hard for you this is a really hard one for me so actually it's really hard to while i read really wi- wi- widely um i remember ideas not specific lines mm. um and music, I'm I'm terrible at listening to the lyrics or really thinking about the lyrics. Um, uh, so even when I do pay attention to the lyrics, I never spend much time processing what they really mean, which has led to some, which led when in my teenage years to some awful mistakes in mixtapes by sending people deeply inappropriate songs that I just like the sound of and hadn't thought of the deep leading behind the lyrics. But um, so it was quite a hard one. Um, but the one that stands out to me was actually one that stood out to me when I was a teenager when it first came out um, uh, uh, and it's the first line of Weirdo by the Charlatans um, which is still one of my all-time favourite songs because um, I love the sound of the Hammond organ and it is a proper Hammond organ fest that song but the first line of that song is most of the time you're happy you're a weirdo uh, and that obviously really chimed with me because uh, <laughs> I've always found people who are uh, who uh, who seem to be happy all the time to be some, somewhat unfathomable, and I'm sure those I'm sure those people obviously do have their dark moments as well. But as someone who uh, who's always 
uh, sort of struggled with uh, with mood and with mental health that uh, uh, that that sort of encapsulated this this that other people were feeling the same thing and it was normal to to, to find people who are who are seemingly happy all the time to be weirdos. Very good. Um, okay, if you were a genie, I, I don't know if this magic works, Andrew. Now that we're all on uh, uh, working from home um, and not allowed out, but you know, if you were a genie, yep. what five commonly available objects would I have to put in a magic circle to summon you? So definitely, definitely, the first would have to be coffee, um, because you're not going to you're not going to summon a genie unless he's awake. Right? <laughs> uh, and like coffee is the essential first thing, and good coffee. None of this. So, no, what no. what's your preference? What's your specific coffee pre preference? My specific coffee preference is a good filter coffee. Um, I've really got into good quality drip coffee. It has a uh, a more complexity of of, of, of flavour, I think, and more sort of balanced flavour. But certainly, kind of wakes me up. A good black filter coffee gets me up in the morning. Second thing, um, a bit of substance would be cheese. Um, you can always. Uh, uh, Pretty much all of my favourite foods involve cheese in some way or other, and, uh, or just a block of it, basically. I will happily eat cheese straight from the block. So, so specifically, if you were picking, we were finding picking one cheese that would bring you instantly, what would you pick? A really strong, sharp, mature cheddar. Cheddar, cool. Yeah, definitely. Something really very tangy and kind of yep. properly. Yeah, yeah, love that. Um, yeah, I would then go for... Um, a Prince CD, marking myself off my age there. Um, uh, but yeah, a Prince CD, music. We share a love of Prince, don't we? And you've exactly. seen him live. You saw him in one of his nightclub appearances. Is that I did, not right? Yes, one of the yeah, in in um, in, uh, in Coco in Camden. Out. I queued up all Sunday afternoon to go and see him play in Coco. Um, you, went with, you, went with, you went down to see him in Hop Farm. Yeah, I saw, I've seen him a couple of times. I've seen him. At, I saw him at Wembley Arena, like you know, when it like back in the day, yeah. but. Saw him at Hot Farm and he was just awesome. Incredible. But he, he, didn't he play all night nearly at uh, in Camden? Yeah, he played. So he he because there was such a big queue, he played and not able to get in. So he played for two hours. Yeah. And then they kicked everyone out, and then he played a second gig for another two or three hours after that. Amazing. But I managed to run out, get back in the queue, <laughs> uh, and, get, and just make it back in for the second one as well. Uh, so that was quite a it's an expensive night, but uh, inc absolutely incredible. One of the something I'll never. So which never... which Prince which Prince um, song would you would I put in the magic circle that would definitely get you there? Um, oh God, that really you could ask me that song any day and you'd get a different answer. But, but if today. Today, um, uh, I think. Um, I'm in a positive, upbeat mood today, and it would be "You Got the Look," brilliant. Um, uh, uh, which is, I think, it's a great song for kind of for get, getting getting a genie up and ready yeah. to go out and dancing <laughs> and dancing. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, the the next thing I think would be um, an atlas. Yeah. Uh, I love and I have done ever since. Since I was a kid, so it's funny I never wanted to go travelling because even as a kid, I was obsessed with atlases, sort of pouring over different landscapes, kind of imagining mountains and deserts and things that are a world apart from what, what, what sort of what England, what the rolling hills, or actually where I grew up in East Anglia, the very flat landscape. <laughs> East Anglia, so everywhere is more exciting. Apologies to any listeners who come from who come from the flatlands of Suffolk or Norfolk, but if anywhere sort of felt a bit more exciting at the time uh, than there. Um, 
so yes, it's, and I'm always dreaming of the next place to go, so an atlas will help with that. Um, and then the final one, sort of slightly random one, I was sort of thinking really hard about the final one. And this is probably inspired by, by yours, ASD, of being a Spurs shirt, of being one of yours. Um, would be a relay baton. Um, ah. Because the, uh, the, the, the one of the things I look for, what, the, the one sport I'm really obsessed with is athletics. It was my dad was really into it when I was a kid. I um, It used to be kind of, they used to show, before the Champions League was a thing, in the 80s, you used to get regular Grand Prix athletics on ITV on a Wednesday or Wednesday evening. Uh, and I was properly got into athletics. Um, I'm, I'm not a great runner myself, but I love it. And so I'm gutted, obviously, the Olympics has been, been postponed yeah. because it's... And there's something about it. I know it sort of has been tainted by, um, by drugs, sadly. Um, but I think that the purism of... Uh, measurability it's the analytical side of my brain the fastest the the fastest the longest the highest um uh, is what athletics is all about and and just the joy of the sort of the the, the, the margins of difference between uh between sort of between gold and and, and and fourth place is just sort of yeah. the human emotion and that is it's just incredible absolutely incredible i, I, I love it do you have any any particular athletic heroes um, so um, uh, I've met one, Heidi Gabriel Selassie, <laughs> oh, the wow, yeah. former marathon world record holder. Um, uh, he's an incredible man. Um, and uh, I, a few years ago, this is combining my two passions. A few years ago, I went on holiday to Ethiopia with a, with a few friends. Um, and one of my friends who I was going with, my friend Joe, who's a producer on BBC's Panorama, he found out that while we were there, coincidentally, on our last Sunday, um, they were having the Great Ethiopian Run, uh, which, uh, after Haile Gabri Salati retired, uh, one of the things he loved going around the world was this, this idea of mass participation sports events. And even though Ethiopia has the finest long-distance runners in the world, along with Kenya, there was no tradition in the same way of running mass participation events. So he went home to Ethiopia and set up, modelled on the Great North Run, the Great Ethiopian Run, and then came around the Ethiopian capital. So, so me and my friends all signed up to do this. Um, so we did a 10k run around Addis Ababa. And the night before the run, um, uh, I was lucky enough to meet him at a pasta party in the Amazing. Addis Ababa Hilton. Um, and actually had a little dance with him. He's a big, big fan of music and dancing. So we, we had, a, uh, had a bit of dance and some Ethiopian, uh, sort of Ethiopian funk music. Um, uh, so that, that's, that's, that's a very happy memory. Wow. Uh, there's a, have you read them? Running with Kenyans. Have you seen that book? Uh, it's by Ad Haranand Finn. Have you seen that? I have, but I haven't read it yet. No, oh. so, uh, that, that's something I should do with the lockdown, actually. Kind of, yeah. Trying to read more, so... Yes. Oh, there you go. Uh, right onto the we're we're in social distancing time. So, what three things in your house are giving you comfort right now? So I was I I, I actually got a quarantine cat uh, panda who Sue has Sue has met already virtually. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yes, a, a friend of mine. She's had to go to had to go to, to Wales to look after her her mother. Uh, so she's left her cat with us for the duration. Um, so Panda is being a great comfort. She's she's quite young and she's slightly mad. So um, that's been very entertaining. Um, my Spotify is the second one. Am I allowed intangible objects? You my see, I, it wasn't what we were looking for, was no. it, Andrew? I mean, I, I was I was more curious about physical owned possessions, but. Are we going to allow Spotify and Wi-Fi and things? I'll what defer to your judgment here on this one. I, 
I'd rather have a physical object if it, yeah. what if I use, when we're nosy. Us, we want to know. We want to know what you've got that like is unique to you and your kind of where you live. And yeah. oh god, that's really that is a really hard one. I'm not actually a big a big lover of possessions, really. Um, I've sort of moved around so much in my life that yeah. um, uh, the objects. It could be a could be a chair. It could be a view out your window. It could Boots. be, you know, a picture, um, a book even that you're going back to. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really tough Lovely one. Lovely toy. Um, <laughs> yeah. um uh, I do actually, well, because you cuddly toy, I do have a gold Wenlock, the um, the mascot of the London 2012 Olympics, uh, at the end of my bed as well. Um, he's my souvenir of the 2012 Olympics, which um, was one of the happiest fortnights of my of my life, spending time. Uh, I basically lived in the Olympic Park as much as I could, uh, and, and my gold wenlock. Uh, That's definitely is... the sort of thing we're looking for. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I can go and get him, actually. Hang on a second. Yeah. <laughs> Those of you listening, Jeff has got up and gone. Um, to get not... his, 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 his gold <laughs> wenlock. There's, oh, there there's oh, yeah, yeah. Strange, yeah. strange, one-eyed, one-eyed mascot. Yeah, it was a very strange mascot. Very strange, one-eyed mascot. Yes. Um, can we can we push you for one more, one more physical type of object? One more physical type of object. Um. Ooh, um actually, so am I allowed? Um, am I allowed? Uh, my um. Uh. My oven. I find. Yes. I find cooking. Yes. A great source of comfort. I'm not a great cook, um, but I love the act of cooking. And what I really like cooking is things that are slow and take, you know, not something you just bung in the oven and leave. I actually like the process yeah. of things that have quite a few steps because that in itself is, or take quite a while or take a bit of attention. So I love, one of the things I love making, it's really simple, is risotto. Just the, the yeah. simple act of all that stirring is remarkably um, comforting. And you have to pay attention to it, don't yes. you? Full attention at yeah. all times. I quite like making a risotto as well. I yeah. know what you mean. Yes. What kind, what's your favourite kind of risotto at the moment? Yeah, risotto, which is quite a simple one, actually. Loads of peas. Yeah, and I love peas. peas oh, oh the freshness yeah. of it, yeah. The freshness of peas and, 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 and parmesan and lemon little, juice, I think, is a bit of white wine. Oh, yeah. But of course, always a bit of white wine, yes. Wine. Yeah, we're going to move on because I'm hungry. <laughs> we're going to um, give you the magical power to change the industry in one way right now, right from your home, Jeff. Okay. What would you do? What would it be? So, um, we are actually, I would have said, two weeks ago this would be putting me out of my job but what i've realized is it wouldn't put me out of a job mm. is we should disperse it out of central london distribute it across the country i think the biggest single problem with the uk as a whole is it's way too centralized not just advertising but so many other sectors the media politics yeah is based in central london the central london bubble and actually if media advertising politics properly reflected the nation was properly mm. embedded around the country i think we would all be better at what we did so i would close all those central london offices and we'd all work remotely around the country uh there'd be as we're seeing as, as neil Charles's wonderful map yeah. uh where we do have media comm offices all over all over the country or in large parts of the country and i think if if if, if that was to be a that would be a, i think that would be a really welcome change um, and would definitely make an impact on the work we do. 
I love that. Uh, if we were to give you a billboard, where would you put it and what would it say? Uh, uh, this is an easy one. It would be in Lexton in uh, Colchester, on the suburbs of Colchester, near my parents' house, and it would say, sorry, mum and dad. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure you don't need to say sorry. Probably being a very difficult child uh, and more recently for not phoning enough. Well, that might be true, but I'm sure they're very proud of you. Um, Right, you've already mentioned your Spotify, your much-loved Spotify playlist. We'd like to see the top five songs on your Rewind of 2019. Yes, so I didn't actually capture the rewind, but I have got the um, I have got I had a, I I I've got the playlist, so I know what they are. So yeah, cool. my most listened to song was Metronomy's Salted Caramel Ice Cream. Um, I've long been a fan of Metronomy, and it's a very surreal and silly song that one, but I love it. It's that was my happy song of last year. Was that one? Okay. Um, all of these actually are new songs. I I I, oh. I, I listen to far more new music than anything else. Um, uh, Second was Jenny Lewis's Red Bull and Hennessy. Um, Jenny Lewis, formerly of Rilo Kiley. So it's a very, very sensual song, that one. Um, uh, very, very although, good. Although also food-related, I'm, yes. I'm interested to note. <laughs> it's yeah, interesting, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, interesting. The, 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 my fourth one, or rather the fourth one, was uh, Lizzo's Juice, which arguably... Yeah. Uh, could be counted as food related, or I think she means something something different to that. But I think everyone fell in love with Lizzo last year, and yeah. Juice is a joyous record. Um, Charlotte uh, Adigeries highlights. She's a a Belgian uh, Belgian singer, um, produced by Soul Wax, and that's a song about her love of wigs, um, wigs and extensions, and, uh, uh, and 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 what that means. Um, and then the final one is is Folds and In Degrees. Um, they're my favourite live band yeah. at the moment. Um, was hoping to see them in May, so I think that's not happening now. Uh, but yeah, so that's my that's my five. Brilliant. Any of those overlap with your tastes? I mean, I'd heard of one, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very cool with my music. It's um, uh, it's diverse, but it's not cool. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Um, I just I I just looked at mine and there's two from my gym playlist so incredibly aggressive and there's two from the Moana soundtrack uh, and there's one embarrassing one so I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that. Um, the final question we usually have the 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 um, box from the School of Life but we're using the Proust questionnaire so if you could give me a number between one and thirty three I'll give you a question and if you could answer it to finish us off please. Between one and thirty-three. Yes, 33. I will go with thirty-three. I love which that. Which was the number of my first uh, first flat when I moved out of home. Oh, brilliant! Uh, what is your motto? My motto. Mm. That's hard. <laughs> isn't it? That's a really hard one. Um, you can edit this. I might take a bit of th- no time thinking. Um, what's my motto? Um, so, what would you? What were you thinking? Do you have one? I always have a. Uh, yeah, I always have a. Um, I do actually. I have a um, I have a mantra by which I try and uh, live. I, I think that's how I'd answer that question, yeah. which I I think you know, mm-hmm. which is um, actually an uh, uh, as I I believe is a um, uh, ancient Navajo saying, which is uh, always walk in beauty, which is something that um, you know I kind of you know what when when times are troubling, I try and think of that. Um, and what it means and what it could mean. That's very good. That's very good. Something I something I increasingly try to live by in these 
divided times. I don't know. I'm not sure how this comes together as a motto. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's always important. I always try to live by seeing uh, the trying to understand the other point of view. I always try and understand the other point of view, even if I disagree with it. That's true. You do do that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think that's that that is the way to better understanding, even if people are you think are completely wrong. Mm. They're probably not. They're not. No one. No one's malicious for a reason. No one's no one thinks the wrong thing. Well, very few people think that. Maybe there's a few psychopaths out there, but no one. Very few people do the wrong things for, for for evil reasons. They genuinely think they're doing the right thing. Um, so trying to understand, trying to get, trying to trying to live in their shoes, I think is 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 my 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 way of getting to a better world. So important in what we do. Brilliant, Jeff. Thank you very much. I've I really enjoyed this one. That was really enjoyable. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Stay safe, everyone out there. Yeah. Yeah. Stay safe, everyone.